BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, we need another register open. The deal to close the sale like like you plan to hire, I'll hire you on the spot. Can you ring? Can you ring? Can you ring? I'm offering you a job. I need the help. I'm hiring. I need help. So that's an exchange between a uh, miffed customer and a manager at a Dollar Tree store. The guy said, hey, you got to open another register. The manager saying, if you couldn't make it out, you're hired. Do you want the job? I can't find anybody. You're hired. We got nobody to open the damn register. You want the job? It's yours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the modern world. Where have all the workers gone? We could talk about that um, at some point. But uh Speaking of management and that sort of thing, had kind of an interesting experience uh, last night. Some uh, our friends slash neighbor, uh, we were walking our dog the other day, Judy and I and uh, Baxter, and and she invited us essentially to pinch hit for her trivia team, her bar trivia game team. And I'm kind of a fiend for trivia and stuff, so so we went and it was the finals. Their their team had made the finals for like all the bars in the area. And, but a bunch of their people, or a handful of their people anyway, had a, a commitment they couldn't miss. And so they were looking for pinch hitters. And like I said, I'm a fiend for trivia. So uh, Judy and I gladly agreed to go along. Um, and and we were in it. We were in the lead. We were tied for the lead among, I think it was 15 teams. And something kind of interesting happened. 
they had a photo round where you had to identify a person by a photo. But it was just a, it was like a super close up of a mustache and some teeth. And I thought, you know, that looks like Danny Trejo. The, uh, the actor has been in like Machete and he's, uh, plays a baddie in a lot of uh, movies. Great villain, rough looking guy. Interesting life story too, but, um, and, and, and my neighbor thought, yeah, that's right. But nobody else had any idea. And, and here's the interesting part. Identifying pictures of Danny Trejo is not the least bit interesting. Here's the interesting part to me. I said, I'm 50-50 sure. Do we gamble? Because you didn't have to answer the question. It was the super bonus question. So you could either not answer it and sit pat with your points. You could answer it. And if you're correct, you double your points. But if you're wrong, you lose all your points for that round. So, and I looked around the table, and I was like, I think I know it, but I'm not sure. Do we want to risk the points? And everybody said, I don't know. I don't know. Gee, um, I don't know. Nice folks, by the way, had a great time. Good people. Met to, made some new friends, I think, which is always exciting. But it was interesting. There was no hierarchy. There was no decider. There was no signal caller. And so everybody just looked at everybody else wondering, who assumes the risk? Who, who, who says the word? That will either result in them and us having glory or disappointment. Nobody was in the position of responsibility and nobody felt like t- taking it. Um, and I will tell you, it was loud in the bar, too. They had too much music pumping the rest of it, so there was a little chaos to it. But I just thought that was interesting. You have to have somebody willing to take the blame. Or you'll end up in a situation where nobody's uh, willing to take the blame. Um, it was Danny Trejo, and we didn't answer the question because nobody was w- really willing to say, yes, let's take the risk, and uh, therefore we lost. So I thought that was interesting. Anyway, speaking of leadership, uh, Chip Roy is a congressperson from Texas. He was uh, Ted Cruz's chief of staff. If, if you want to know a little more about his politics, that probably tells you something. Uh, he was the first assistant attorney general of Texas. He's a uh, fiscal conservative. I, I like the cut of his jib very much, you know, the way I swing politically. Uh, not a shock. But uh, Tim Sandifer tweeted or retweeted this uh, at the end of last week. I thought it was so interesting. Chip Roy got up and gave a speech in front of the usually empty House of Congress. But he was talking about not a specific issue, but how... Congress works, and it is so not the way the textbooks tell us that Congress is working. And both Tim and I thought it was so revealing. And we'll hit that in just a second or two. There are a number of clips we'll play for you after a word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. Junie and I have gotten a traditional home security system once in our lives. We thought, yeah, we ought to just keep us safe. You know, I was traveling more at that point. I want to keep my sweetheart uh, safe and and my kids when they're home. Um, And we couldn't believe how expensive it was and complicated it was and how often it went sideways. Simply Safe Home Security is the best system you can get. No long-term contracts. It costs less than a dollar a day for 24-7 professional monitoring service, which is less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. And right now, that's, I mean, that's good enough to want to order it. 
Right now, it's 50% off. 50% off. The biggest discount of the year because you're our listener. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Custom make the system for you, the risks you have, the, the concerns you have about where you live, your stuff, your, your loved ones. Again, 50% off any new system. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. They have proprietary technology so the cops know there's a break-in. Then it's not a malfunction and you get priority and dispatch. It's cool. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Beloved sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, explaining how Congress really works. Michael, let's just roll them, starting with 90. Some are saying it's an end of an era. And I would say that it's only an end of an era if we choose to make it so. Speaker Pelosi ran this chamber not terribly unlike her Republican predecessors, and I don't necessarily mean that to be the right way to do things. Bills that are cooked up in small rooms among leadership staff and members of leadership. Thousands of pages of legislation dropped on members at the 11th hour. Key pieces of legislation that are shuttled through committee without significant debate and then dropped on the floor. Sometimes we have what's called suspension votes where we suspend the rules and we have votes on the floor with no members here to debate it or discuss it. Just take the word of the committees on which I don't serve. Amendments on the floor of this body restrained since May of 2016 under both parties' leadership. Mm, Truth bomb. Both parties for the last six years. Congress is not legislating. They're just signing off. They're rubber stamping what the leadership gives them. Next clip. Some people refer to this as a cartel. Some refer to it as a swamp. What it is, regardless of branding... We know that it takes power away from the legislators and thereby takes power away from the people who sent their legislators here to represent them. The only way we're going to make this the end of an era is if we change the way we do things. And we should. And I'm saying this now that there is a Republican majority about to take the gavel. I believe we have to change the way this town works. I believe we have to change the way this body works. You know, I can't remember if he gets into this later on. We'll play you some more clips, but a lot of it has to do with the whole performative politics thing. It's all about the appearance and and the coverage in the media. And you can't have divisions within your caucus, the Republican Party, showing serious divisions as the debate continues over. But that's the way it's supposed to work. But you've got to give this like Disneyfied image of of unity. Or it looks like you're, I don't know, hapless or infighting or whatever, but that's the way it's supposed to be. And yeah, sure, uh, Jack and I have uh, watched with delight as the squad has made Nancy Pelosi's life miserable. Part of the reason for our delight in that is we think the squad is full of crap and they'll ruin the country. Um, but, uh, you know, applies on their side, too. They have the right to argue and say, no, we want to usher in a Marxist utopia. I mean, again, that's insane, but they have the right to advocate it. They got elected. Uh, okay, here he explains how some of the mechanics of how it's gotten so screwed up. I'm wondering now if some of my Democratic colleagues will think, well, maybe that's not a terrible idea if we look ahead. I don't know. Here in this chamber, I am as a Republican calling on a fundamental change in the way we do things here. How bills get to the floor. Most people might not understand that the default rules that would go back to the Jefferson Manual and the basic rules of parliamentary procedure would be that I have the right to be able to offer a bill 
and that then you'd be have the, have the right to amend the bill here on the floor of this body, this being the floor of the House of Representatives. But what the American people don't know is that every Congress we come in and we vote on new rules. And we vote on rules that then restrict the power of every member of this body to be able to represent their constituents. We restrict the power of a member to offer a bill, to bring that bill to a vote, to have debate on that bill, to amend that bill here on the floor of the House of Representatives. That's the way it works. So they passed rules at the beginning of each session restricting anybody's right to actually legislate. He's just getting ahead of steam. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with more Chip Roy truth bombs. Again, if you can't stay tuned, grab the podcast later. It's going to be hour two, Armstrong and Getty on demand. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for being here. Hope you have a short week this week or you're making extra money for working. Later in the week, obviously, uh, Jack is off, although he's going to be checking in uh, via phone later on. He's spending some time with his boys, which is terrific. Meanwhile, we're uh, listening to Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, talking about the way the House of Representatives actually works versus the way it's supposed to work and the way most of us think it works um, and how they're, they, they the, the Congress people, agree to rules at the beginning of every session that essentially makes it impossible for them to do their jobs. And just what's handed down from on high, the leadership of both parties is crammed down the throats of the legislators. They don't amend. They don't debate. They just say, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you very much, ma'am, or what have you. Um, and we thought this was, A, really interesting, and B, a great prelude to talking to David Drucker of the Washington Examiner in the next segment of the show. So anyway, Chip Roy's explained um, about the uh, restrictive rules that they all pass at the beginning of sessions and how stupid that is. And uh, let's continue on, Michael, with 93. And then we even go further. Every week we fly in and then we have votes on rules. Rules that are cooked up among 13 members of the House of Representatives who sit up in a committee up here behind these walls and they vote a new rule. Send it down here and then the body votes on the rule that then structures debate for the week. Then can I offer an amendment here on the floor? No. And you know why? Because people are afraid to vote. Members of this body sent to vote on legislation and to represent their constituents are afraid to vote. Can you imagine? In the founding of this country, the establishment of this body, the people's house to go get reelected every two years, or to go seek reelection, that we're afraid to vote? How many times have we talked about this on the show? How they won't declare war or a hundred other things, because then there would be a vote. Then there would be a record, and it might be hung around their necks, so they just don't vote. This is great. I'm loving this guy. Roll on, Michael. Do you know how many times if I bring up opening the process and opening up the floor of the House, colleagues on my side of the aisle, the other side of the aisle go, well, you know, don't you know, that means somebody could bring up a really tough vote. Well, 
if you vote no on a whole lot of tough votes, like I tend to do, you get kind of used to it. And you get used to what you have to do, which is go explain to your constituents why there ain't no free lunch. This isn't the United States House of Free Stuff. You can't just keep passing bills to spend money we don't have to buy off votes. You can't keep voting for bills that have a nice title so that you don't have to go back and explain why you voted, as I did, against burn pit legislation for veterans who need support and help for burn pits. But you vote against it because you don't need another $675 billion mandatory spending item. Yet bipartisan support for a bill because nobody wants to go say no. Nobody wants to go look in a veteran's eye and explain the hard reality of what we need to do in this body. And I assume he is driving at the idea that, no, we're not going to obligate another $600-plus billion with no explanation where the hell the money's coming from, because we're already up to our ears in debt. There is a budget. Where are you going to find the money within the budget? Uh, it's a great example because, I mean, you'd be a monster not to want to take care of veterans who are sickened by the burn pits in the Middle Eastern wars, the sand wars. I mean, you'd, you'd truly be a monster. Um and that is a tough vote, saying, no, this legislation is so flawed, we've got to do better than this. But now, you know, he will absolutely be hammered by somebody who claimed he, he voted against caring for uh, for veterans. That's a great example of a tough vote. Uh, roll on, Michael. Nobody wants to say no to a bill that says ALS research. Nobody wants to say no to a bill that says something about helping animals or helping old people or helping kids. You put a nice title in there, and everybody's got to vote for it. Doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, you got to vote for it. Because there is no spending limit, there is no restraint, there is no responsibility, there is no leadership, there is no check on unrestrained power of the executive branch by this body because this body keeps funding the very tyranny of the executive branch that many campaign against. That's the truth. All right, one more. Let them uh, wrap it up. Yesterday, we had all sorts of conference meetings, debates about our internal workings. I tend to like to keep those meetings confidential and private, but half my daggum colleagues are tweeting that stuff out in real time. The fact of the matter is, nothing changed. The status quo remains, because people want their power. They want their committee chairmanships. They want their gavel. They want the ability to control the power and the purse strings, but they don't want to look in the mirror to fundamentally change a broken town, a broken house, a broken body, a broken federal government that is stepping all over the dreams and the hopes and the future and the prosperity of the American people. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. I had a conversation uh, in real life over the weekend about how we're spending our kids' tax money. We're spending our grandkids' tax money, so their their taxes are going to have to double to cover our spending, and it's utterly morally indefensible. I'm sure there's something I disagree with Chip Roy about. Maybe he said something terrible through the years, but I don't require my heroes to be perfect, and I don't pretend that people who disagree with me are 100% you know, inhuman villains either. Uh, but that's great stuff, really good. We'll talk to David Drucker of the Washington Examiner in just a moment or two. Hang around or grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I mean, he's been posting, people have been posting his, his truths, I think that's what they're called, um, on Twitter already, and it gets out anyway. So he has, you know, he's got these contractual obligations to this company that is not doing great. Um, and I think he can't resist, and he'll probably go full Twitter at some point. Um, but it, it, I don't think it makes any difference. Plus, he's the former president, so it doesn't quite hit quite as hard. Well, discussion of Donald J. Trump returning to Twitter in the national conversation, one of the several topics to pursue with David Drucker, Washington Examiner's senior political correspondent and author of In Trump's Shadow, The Battle for 2024 and the Future of the GOP. David, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good. It's always a pleasure. So a uh, little change into the guard there in the House of Representatives. Very, very little in the Senate. Uh, Kevin McCarthy likely to be the Speaker of the House, uh, maybe. Uh, what sort of fate do you suppose awaits him as the leader of that divided body? Um, well, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to govern. It's going to be very difficult to leverage uh, this thin majority to box in the White House or the Senate. And I know that they have high hopes for controlling the purse strings and therefore 
bending everybody else to their will, but you know everybody else looks at it as like this. You control barely uh, one uh, chamber, one half of one branch of government, and you know we collectively control the executive branch and the other half of a second branch of government. So pound sand. Yeah, well, we just played several clips from Chip Roy of Texas, who uh, was one sort of congressperson who shows no sign of saying, yes, sir, no, sir, uh, thank you very much, sir. I mean, they they have voices. They want to use them on the Republican side. Well, yeah, of course. And I, look, my, my point here isn't to suggest that the Republicans should not try and uh, make policy gains and, and play hardball with Senate Democrats and President Biden. Um, I, I was laying out for you, and we have seen this before, um, how the political dynamic works. And so what it is going to take for Republicans to maximize the leverage they have. And remember, the last time Republicans were in this position, it was under President Obama. They had an actual very large House majority. Uh, they could at least make some argument that they had some sort of a mandate. Republicans had gained seven Senate seats. It just fell short of the majority, but they won seven Senate seats and 63 House seats. And Democrats responded to them by saying, we don't care. We control the Senate. We control the White House. And we're not going to do what you say. And the first thing Republicans have to do if they're going to take a lesson from the past experience is remain unified. Any infighting that plays out in public, any policy disagreements that paralyze House Republicans in a debate between uh, conservatives and centrists, or I like to say the the insurgents and the pragmatists, the Democrats will look at that and say to themselves, we don't really have to do anything because they can't agree among themselves. So if Republicans can speak with one voice and they can make the case in public that um, their approach is viable and is preferable, then they're going to be able to make some gains or they're at least going to be able to move the ball down the field. And I think the best way for them to look at this is to try and be pragmatic about moving the ball down the field and avoiding words like government shutdown. Right, right. Well, I don't love their chances uh, (laughs) of doing that. Uh, (laughs) I wonder what... so we we've known Kevin McCarthy in his rise through California politics for a number of years. Don't know him well, but have run into him quite a few times. Um, he's he's an interesting guy. He is not the most gifted of orators. Um, I don't even think he's a particularly great spokesman for Republicans, but he obviously has something. I mean, you don't you don't accidentally become the leader of your party in the U.S. Congress and, and perhaps the Speaker of the House. What's he got going for him? What are the pluses? You know, I first met Kevin McCarthy when he was a freshman assemblyman in the, in the legislature in, in Sacramento. Um, he is a very good relationship builder. He is a very uh, keen political tactician, and he's a very good fundraiser. And I think that the public and often conservative media figures in particular, but Democrats are not immune to this, they look at congressional leaders and votes for congressional leaders as though this were a normal election, you know, among voters, among the American people. And when you're a party leader, you you exist in leadership because your peers have voted for you. 
And in Congress, your peers do not care if you're a good spokesman. Your peers do not care if you're charismatic. What they want to know is, do I trust you? Do you have my back? Are you able to take the heat so that I don't have to? And are you good at politicking and legislating so that I can stay in office and, and bring home achievements? And so you end up with political leaders, and think of this, right, like Harry Reid and Mitch McConnell, the late Harry Reid, uh, departing Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, former Speaker John Boehner, uh, people that aren't, you know, if they'd never win a, a presidential primary because they're, they're kind of boring and kind of ornery, but the reason that they rise, and if they're successful, the reason they're successful is because they know how to negotiate, they know how to garner consensus from members who all have different opinions about how things should be done, and then they know how to leverage all of that and and win legislatively and win politically. And and so th- when you're looking at you know how has Kevin McCarthy done it, we don't know yet if he'll be a good speaker, presuming he's able to get the 218 votes on the House floor in early January. But we do know that he can raise money. We know he's, he understands campaigns, and we know that he has a lot of very good relationships that he's built over many years. Great description. That's why David Drucker is the senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. David, let's uh, turn to the presidential thing, uh, and we're not going to ask you to prognosticate because that's idiotic and a waste of everybody's time, even though everybody does it all the time. Uh, what have you made of... The post-election uh, atmosphere in terms of Donald J. Trump and his announcement, the reaction to it, uh, the way the rest of the field is reacting. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, I just spent a couple of days in Las Vegas at the Republican Jewish Coalition, which was uh, essentially a, a, a like unofficial kickoff event for the 2024 primary on the Republican side. Um, Look, I think Donald Trump remains formidable because of his relationship with the Republican base. So let's just stipulate that we all understand why Trump is formidable and, mm-hmm. and that the base has not, by any sense, uh, thrown him overboard, right? Just the opposite. But I do detect, and I will say, that, that a lot of Republicans look at Trump and they see a weakened figure, still formidable, but weakened, after presiding over a third consecutive election drubbing for the Republicans, in which he was either the leader of the party or, in this case, the the titular head of the party. He was responsible for many of the nominees. He dominates the political atmosphere, and Democrats defied history despite Joe Biden's low approval ratings. And so Republicans are very upset about that. Mm -hmm. They see him as weakened. And for the first time in six, seven years, there are very open public discussions happening about whether or not they want him to remain as leader or whether they want somebody fresh. And so I think that in and of itself is very interesting. It may not matter in the end. It may be that there's a Republican primary and he wins it going away. It may mean that there's not much of a Republican primary, so he wins it going away. But at the moment, because he's no longer a change agent who has just recently taken the party by storm, but rather a defeated president who has dominated the party for the last seven years, they're looking at him differently. They're grateful for what he accomplished. They wish he would have won re-election. 
many Republicans now see him as an albatross. And so there is less fear about angering him because if for Republicans that think he's the only one that definitely can't win in 2024, the feeling is, what do we have to lose? So maybe he gets mad, maybe he divides the party, but he's already hurting the party. And therefore, there are a lot more, there's a lot more talking and a lot more strategizing about what do we do about all of this, where just 10 days ago, two weeks ago, all of the critics who thought this anyway were just very quiet about it, didn't know what to do, and didn't want to say anything to upset the apple cart. And so I think that's what's different. And I think for other Republicans who would want to be president, which means they have to beat him or move him aside, they are more willing now to examine how it is they go about doing this versus saying to themselves, what's the point? Nobody can beat him. Right. Right. And this is, well, it's, this is half anecdote and half data. I know you're a, a, a skeptical man, so take it with a grain of salt if you like. But last week, I think it was, we were talking about uh, hanging with Trump or uh, keep the policies, keep the judges, and move on to a different ball carrier. And it was astounding, David. It was hundreds to one uh, in favor of moving on. Hundreds to one, including people who described their admiration for and loyalty to Donald Trump in poetic terms. I mean, they went on and on about how much they loved him, but said it's time to move on. It was overwhelming. And, you know, we're, we're proudly, we're, I attend no cocktail parties with senators. Uh, we're not part of any sort of media elite. We're proudly regular guys with regular families and regular friends. Um, and, and polls of our friends and families are like, no, time to move on. Again, overwhelming. Look, I, I, I am not surprised in that, number one, he has been on the scene politically now for almost the equivalent of two terms. And, you know, even presidents that everybody loved, that weren't polarizing, you get to years, years seven and eight, and people are just, they get tired. Yep. And they start to think to themselves, wouldn't it be nice to have somebody new? Who? I don't know. Just somebody. Do you hate this guy? Because it's only been men so far. No, I don't hate him. He's been okay. But, you know, I'm just bored. And so, and, and Trump's shtick has sort of, it's not as dynamic and innovative as it was because he's been doing it for so long. So he's a victim of success in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but the other thing is, one of the things that Republicans liked so much about Trump is that he won for them in places they had not won before. He did things that had not been done before from a, a policy standpoint because he was president. So the prospect of him no longer being able to win and therefore no longer being able to produce policy outcomes, I think, leaves a lot of people, as you talk to, grateful. But, hey, the whole point is get stuff done. So maybe we need to find somebody who can actually win so they can get stuff done for us. If you want to know what's actually going on in D.C., you have to read David Drucker in the Washington Examiner, senior political correspondent. David, terrific as always. Great to talk. Thanks. Anytime. Thank you. All right. You got it. I'm going to check in with Jack via telephone in the next segment or two. We've got all sorts of stuff to talk about, including the thoroughly screwed up World Cup of Soccer, or do you say football? Stay with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. We'll talk about the screwed up, corrupt, ridiculous World Cup, although I am a soccer fan, and we'll watch some of it. We'll talk about that next hour. If you don't know some of the details, it's just astonishing what these people get away with. Uh, But first, a man who does not love the great and graceful game of soccer, the co-host of the show, Jack. Jack is on the phone. Hello. What's going on? No, I do not. I did not. I did not know it was corrupt, though. So it's like the Olympics. Oh, no. It it makes the Olympics look uh, as pure as the driven snow. Oh, really? Wow. Not surprising. Oh, yeah. They had a giant house cleaning a few years ago where everybody got indicted or dismissed or whatever, and they just went right back to it. So I'm on uh, vacation with the kids, and uh, we're going to Universal today. I've been to Universal, actually. I was there in 1983. I don't know if it's changed any in the last 40 years. So I suspect it has. Uh, Universal Studios <laughs> Los Angeles, does that have the Harry Potter thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I'd go, I'd go to that. I would love that. Yeah, so uh, I was just reading this in the Wall Street Journal. I'm amused by this sort of thing. It's so out of our world, you and I's world, but it, um, mm. 
uh, speaking of corporate world, the hot thing right now apparently uh, is the Stanley Quencher. Are you familiar with the Stanley Quencher? I am unfamiliar, sir. Sorry. It's a it's a particular kind of water bottle. It's the Patagonia vest of water bottles. They say so. If you're going to walk into, <laughs> I know I find that phrase hilarious. <laughs> if you're going to walk into a meeting where people are sitting around a table, you've got to have the Stanley Quencher water bottle. That's the uh, that it's, I just I'm so amused by human beings and these sorts of things. I just find it hilarious. Yeah, I remember I had uh, a lunch with a friend, a great guy, lived right in the heart of Silicon Valley, and we were, I think we were in Cupertino or Palo Alto, it doesn't really matter, but at this cafe, and I was looking around, all these guys typing away on their MacBooks, and um, they were all, they all had the same haircuts, they all had the same glasses, and they all had the same, at the time, the the puffy vests, and it was was funny, it was like observing a flock of birds, I mean, they were of a feather. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, apparently that the Patagonia vest now is the Stanley water bottle. So if you want to be that person, they're about $50 and uh, kind of hard to find right now, but uh, very important. Yeah, I got an old dented, scratched, uh, I guess it's Contigo. It's right here in the studio. What is this? Uh, Aladdin. I'm sorry. This is the Aladdin. Mm -hmm. So uncool. It seems to hold water well. And then when I tip it, and here's the crazy part. When I tip it, the water flows out of it into my mouth. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, I was kind of excited yesterday when uh, Elon announced that Trump was back on um, Twitter. I went to it immediately. It was kind of interesting. Did you check it out to see that the last tweets were from like January 6th, basically? The second to last tweet from Trump was still from January 6th. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's like a little piece of history because uh, that's when he got kicked off. So the last tweet on there is something like that. Remember, we respect law enforcement, so blah, blah, blah. It was that stuff from when everything was going crazy. Yeah, fairly late in the day that he came around to that, right? Yeah, and so then Trump announced yesterday, I guess, that he's not going to tweet, so whatever. All right, he's trying to get his truth social going still. Uh, I just had a a lovely conversation with David Drucker, the Washington Examiner. If you missed it, grab it uh, via podcast. Um, Talking about Trump and, and his profile and Twitter and Truth Social and that sort of thing. Uh, Drucker really knows his stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, so Trump's not going to tweet? Okay, so um, I was kind of hoping he would, just because people's heads were going to explode. I, I thought I heard he was going to like tweet out his truths, which is what tweets are called on Truth Social, which is going to be dead before too long, I think. I don't know why he wouldn't want to, but uh, the the number of columns that I read in the uh, various big newspapers over the weekend about Trump going back on and just how it was the end of the world and Twitter is dead as we know it and all this BS, it's just so ridiculous. Kathy Griffin, the comedian, got restored. She said she also will not participate in Elon Musk's Twitter. Yeah, nobody cares. Don't uh, Nobody cares. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't then. Yeah, the uh, the uh, constant hysteria. You got to be hysterical, or nobody will pay attention to you. It's just, will it wear itself out? I know we ask this question all the time. I hope it does. I, I, think God, it I hope so too. Yeah, you walk into the boardroom with your Stanley uh, thermos, and uh, you're hysterical about something. That's just what you got to do every day with your puffy vest on. Does the uh, Stanley thermos look different than most thermoses, or what is it? What's the it's, appeal? It's, I'm, I'm googling it's, it's, it as we speak. It's, slightly different i mean you'd have to be in the know but you know how it is the people that care about this sort of thing would know 
And uh, you're it, it's it, it's a, what's interesting to me about stuff like this is that people are so unwilling to acknowledge the anthropological nature of these things. It's the birds of a feather thing you were just talking about. They're, they're unwilling to admit that there's there while we are, a, you know, a highly formed, highly intelligent beast. We're still so just beasts that, OK, this is what my tribe is doing. I'm going to do it to fit in. We don't want right. to admit that, but we clearly do. And then there are those of us who are so stubbornly iconoclastic that if, yep. like, penicillin was a trend, we would go ahead and die of the infection instead of, you know, jumping on yeah. the trend. Oh, yeah. If everybody gave me one of those Stanley thermoses and I found out what it meant, there's no way I would bring it to work. <laughs> hey, so we're up against a uh, hard break. Uh, you want to hang around for next segment or you got a little All time right. or what? I can do whatever. Boys are asleep. Oh, okay, fantastic. We'll talk to you in a bit. A uh, lot of All good right. stuff, including the, the the World Cup thing. You're not going to believe it. It is so corrupt. That and much more on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hang around if you can. Armstrong and Getty. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.